love to just start with a word of prayer as we get into the message together this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place so far today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship and to to come into your throne room and just acknowledge your greatness, your power, God, your holiness, and, and our love for you. And we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you, God, for the the gifts of those who lead us and prepare for our worship every single week and pray over every word that is sung and every note that is played and every knob and and technology thing that happens. And we just pray, God, that this would be something that's pleasing to you, that you would be honored in our worship, that you'd be honored, God, now as we open up your word and, and go to see what you've got for us, not only because it's Sunday, because it's Sabbath, but God, because we're your people. We're your family of faith. And we know, God, that you have something for us in this moment that will radiate out into the week ahead. And we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to that. I ask God this morning again that you would speak through me, that you would speak in spite of me for your glory and for your purposes in our lives. And God, through our life, personally as well as collectively as a church family. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, my bride Julie and I took a fairly circuitous route to the wedding altar. By the time we had our first date, we had actually known each other for a solid seven years. We had already met each other's families, and actually before we had our first date at Papa Do's Seafood Kitchen, because you want to start strong, we actually already had a pretty good idea that we were going to end up married before we ever went out on a date. Now, adding to this long and winding road is the fact that by the time we did start dating, we didn't even live in the same town. As a matter of fact, we never shared the same area code until we got home from our honeymoon. Now, I can tell you with the benefit of 25 years of wedded bliss and a lot of hindsight that all of these circumstances, all of these factors adversely affected our marriage exactly 0%. It didn't really have any bearing on what God has done and the blessings he's given us over the last 25 years. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that our marriage was significantly strengthened, forged, and fortified by the fact that once we were married, we lived not only in the same town, but actually in the same apartment. I would suggest to you that when you're married, it helps to live together. You may want to write that down. That's really profound, I know. But what Julie and I discovered is an immutable law of the universe as it relates to relationships, to any enterprise or exercise that we could engage in, and it's this. FaceTime really matters. FaceTime really matters. Now, you can do anything for a season. Sometimes work or an illness or some other circumstance can collaborate to separate us and to isolate us from one another, but if you're going to work well with someone, if a relationship is going to last particularly over time, then FaceTime really 
matters. There's nothing like being in the same room, eyeball to eyeball and face to face, genuinely connecting with someone else. And nowhere is this more true than in the tribe of faith that is Jesus' church. Last week we started this series called Tribes, specifically looking at the tribe of faith, the church. But we established the fact that any tribe anywhere is, is basically just a group of people who are united by purpose and by place. And then we took it a step further last week and said, you know, as the church, as the tribe of faith, we are united not only in our purpose, as God has spelled it out in the Bible, not only in this place that is Austin, Texas, but also we are united in the presence and the unlimited power of God himself, that, that God has called us together to be his tribe, to be his family of faith, so that we can experience and express his power in the world. <clears throat> and today, we're going to kind of pull that thread a little bit farther, because what we want to see is, how does that power manifest itself? How does that power reveal itself in, in a, in a pragmatic, in a, in a practical way, as you and I go about the the practice of community. That, that's what we're talking about, man. We're talking about practice. We're not talking about theory. We're not talking about something that's out in the ether. We're talking about down in the trenches, real world practice of tribalism and the power that God calls us to experience and express within that tribe. Because here's the dirty little secret about the tribe of faith. You will never ever, ever see the power of God manifest or revealed in the lives of people who just go to church. You'll never see that. I'm talking about the people who just kind of show up when it's convenient or unless they get a better offer or as long as kickoff is at the right time of day on the right day of the week or as long as they're not distracted by kids' activities on the weekend those are not the people who experience and express the power of God that the tribe of faith is called to practice and to live out. Now, I need to say this very, very quickly on the heels of that last comment. If you're here today and you're new, you're just kind of checking things out and kicking the tires of the tribe of faith, for you, just going to church may be a monster leap forward in your journey of faith. But we're talking specifically about those people who have been around a while. People who have committed their lives to Christ. People who have personally and definitively responded to Jesus' grace initiative, chosen to believe that he died on the cross for us, received the forgiveness of our sins, and been restored into a right relationship with God for the purposes of being used by God in this world. For those of us who are in that camp, in that tribe, in order for the power of God to be manifest in our lives and through our lives, then this tribe has to be something more than just something we do on occasion if it works out. We are called to be the tribe of faith. So right now I want you to do me a favor. Look at the person sitting next to you and with passion and enthusiasm tell them, you're the tribe. You're the tribe. Now, as many of you know, some of you may actually be participating. Tonight marks the launch of the University of Texas football season. They, that's right. That's right. 
God's favorite team plays tonight. There were some other games that happened yesterday. And listen, if, it, if, if the Horns weren't God's favorite team, why is the sunset burnt orange? I ask you. Coincidence? You be the judge. No. But tonight, over 100,000 fans will fill Royal Memorial Stadium to watch Texas beat Notre Dame, and they will walk into that stadium fired up. I mean jacked about what could be. Every Longhorn fan who walks in that stadium tonight is walking in thinking, this could be the beginning of something awesome. Just just awesome. And some of them are going to be, their eyes are going to be twitching a little bit. They're going to be so on point. And, And listen, I get it. I get it. I personally will be watching the game at home, protecting my witness for the Lord. But I will be watching the game thinking to myself, man, what could be if Texas could win this game tonight? What could be? How much more maybe should we come into church every single week with that kind of a mindset? Now, you don't have to wear a particular color, but, but, but to walk in the doors and go, you know what? God's up to something. God may do something today that I've never seen him do before. He may reveal something to me that I've never experienced before. And that is why FaceTime really matters. Now, to be sure, Jesus meets us right where we are, personally and individually, no doubt. And he never meets us in a vacuum. It is never in isolation. There's a personal individual element to our faith and to being a part of the tribe and there is a collective community part of being a tribe where we live out of that tribal need in our lives where that tribal power radiates out of our lives in our motivations our desires in our in our prayers in our thoughts what we what we think about and what we really dwell on and meditate on and think about in what we say in in the things that we do in our calendar that our calendars reflect our tribal commitment, commitment to Christ and commitment to each other. And so, because FaceTime really matters, we're going to use the word FaceTime to remember this calling that God has placed on us, the tribe of faith, to understand what it looks like played out in practice, man, in practice, Not just in theory, but lived out. So I want to ask you to do me a favor and do you a favor. Everybody take out your program. It looks like this. You got it when you came in, hopefully. I want you to take out your program and open it up. And on the message notes page, just down the left-hand side of the margin, I want you to write the word FaceTime. FaceTime. It's one word, no hyphen. Just the word FaceTime. Some of you are kind of detailed people, and you're like, you're going to have to measure it out to make sure it's even. I get that. That's fine. But write the word FaceTime, and we're going to use F-A-C-E-T-I-M-E to see what God intends for his tribe, the church, the bride of Christ. And because it is the opening of college football, and I just kind of feel like it, I want to invite you. We're going to make this a little interactive today. So As we think about FaceTime, I'm going to ask you to participate with me. And when we begin with the letter F, I want you to just with everything you've got and to finish strong, stay with me all the way through, 
but just give me an F. F. F is for family. F is for family. The tribe of faith is a family. And the great thing about family is once you're born into a family, once you're adopted into a family, you're always family. You always have a place to belong. Now, I also realize that for some people here today, the word family can be a loaded term. Some of you are thinking, Mac, you don't know my family. That may not be such a good parallel. And, and I get it. We've all got family. How many of you have got, I mean, we, how many of you have somebody in your family who's a little bit crazy? Let me just see a show of hands. How many of you have family who's a lot crazy? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Don't, I'm just teasing. We've all got family. But maybe your situation's not really funny. Maybe for you, family carries with it a lot of, a lot of wounds and scars from your past or maybe even your present. And if that's you, then I want to invite you. I want to ask you just, what if you were to kind of pick up your eyes and look beyond your own circumstances, your own situation? Look at, look at what you might think God would want a family to be. Maybe what you've longed for your whole life as a family and understand that's what God calls you to. That's what God offers in this tribe of faith is that kind of a family. Not a perfect family by any stretch. We, we haven't gotten there yet. The Bible says that once we come into faith in Christ, we are in the process of being perfected. But it's nobody going to be perfect in this lifetime. It's not going to happen. But we're in process. And so as a member of the tribe of faith, you're a part of a family. You are always family. Now, your family, when you're born into a family, that means your family by blood, obviously, or you can be adopted into a family. The same thing is true spiritually. You see, when you come to faith in Christ, you choose to believe that when he shed his blood on the cross, he covered over your sin and my sin. We, we choose to believe that and we appropriate that personally. It's not something that our parents did or could ever do for us. We do that. Or there's also the idea of being adopted into the family of faith. Now, God started this whole redemptive work with one family, Abraham and Sarah, two old people that didn't even have any kids. He said, I'm not only going to give you kids, I'm going to turn your family into a massive nation that then is going to in turn bless the entire world. Now, that's the nation of Israel. And for those of us who weren't born into that family, the Bible says that we're adopted into that spiritual family through Christ. So we're adopted. And the great thing about biblical adoption, once you've been adopted, you can never be disowned. You could never be disowned. Biological children, biblically, students, you may want to keep this in mind, biological children can be disowned. If you mess up enough or frequently enough, often enough, your parents can go, hey, good luck. Take care, see you, wouldn't want to be you, good luck. Don't write if you don't get work. I don't want to, you're done. You're disowned. But when a child is adopted, they could never be disowned. When, when a mom and a dad say, we want that one. We, we, we want him. We want her to be a part of our family. We're, we're bringing them in and opening the doors of our family to this child. Then that child is theirs forever. And that's the picture of what happens when we come to faith in Christ. We're adopted into the family. We are never forgotten or forsaken, never abandoned. 
We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You never have to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ again. You never have to pray for, the, for, for Jesus to come into your life. Once you do it, it's a once and for all prayer by virtue of the power of Jesus and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. And so the tribe becomes our family. It's a place where we, we always belong. So F is for family. A, give me an A. A, a is accountability. Accountability. We love us some accountability, don't we? People to tell us when we mess up. In the original Greek, the word for people who tell us when we mess up is called spouse. (laughs) Now, hopefully our spouse tells us in love. But the book of Proverbs tells us this about accountability. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens iron another see here's the thing spiritually but also but i think i think physically i think relationally maybe professionally left to our own devices the fact is ladies and gentlemen and students we lose our edge we we get we get dulled over time we get kind of kind of worn down but it's the accountability that god gives us in the tribe that keeps us sharp that keeps us usable for his purposes. That accountability is critical. But I love this translation from the New Living Translation where it says a friend sharpens another. Because here's another reality. You and I are only as accountable as we want to be. We're only as accountable as we want to be. You, you could have checks and balances in your life and this, that, and the other, but unless you trust somebody, Unless there is an affinity, you will never open up your life to real accountability. It'll be very superficial, circumstantial accountability as opposed to spiritual accountability. The kind of accountability that the psalmist prayed when he said, God, search me and know me. Find any offensive way that is within me. We need people in our lives that will have those kind of conversations with us. We need that in our lives in order to stay sharp for God's purposes. And that's part of the beauty of the church, the tribe. And that is exactly the case where a lot of people choose to leave churches. They choose to walk away from this church or that church because somebody holds them accountable. And sometimes they'll use phrases like this. Well, you know, we just felt led to go to another church. We just felt called to go somewhere. No, no. You had somebody hold your feet to the fire, didn't like it, and thought you'd go somewhere else where you could start all over. Now, sometimes God does lead people to leave churches. I get that. That happens, and that's a God thing, and we celebrate that. Sometimes we really celebrate it, but that's a whole other sermon. My point is, you and I have to embrace accountability. Accountability is a gift from God. We need those people in our lives. We need that. So there's family, there's accountability. C, give me a C. C C is for comfort. C is for comfort. Comfort in the tribe of faith is like insurance on your house or your health. You don't think about it till you need it. But boy, when you need it, you need it. And, And the tribe of faith is designed by God to be the source of comfort when we need it. 
This is what Paul says in the very opening verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. But here's the problem. The tribe can't offer you comfort when you're not engaged with the tribe. How can the tribe know that you need comfort if you're not engaged with the tribe when you don't need comfort? The church has to know you. You've got to have relationships with people who know when your parent is struggling with Alzheimer's, when your child gets sick and has to go to the hospital, when your marriage is struggling and you need a tribe of people to come alongside and help you and tell you, stay in the fight. You need that comfort. But unless you're engaged, unless you're bought in, how are people going to know? So the church has to be able to provide that comfort, but you have the responsibility to be engaged before you need the comfort. So comfort is, again, like accountability, like family, is a gift from God, that comfort that God offers through the tribe. You know what comfort is not? Comfort is not quoting a Bible verse. If somebody's ever hurting or or grieving or going through a loss, do not walk in the door and start quoting Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for good for those. Yes, it is absolutely true. But that's not what they need right then. You know what they need? They need you to look them in the eye and tell them, I love you and you're not going through this alone. That's what they need. If you walk in the door and start quoting Bible verses to somebody or say to somebody, well, God had a plan. Or if somebody's lost a loved one, God must have needed him in heaven more than we needed him here on earth. Don't tell them you go to church here. (laughs) Please, do the rest of the tribe a favor. First of all, the last two aren't even true. You don't know what God's plan was. You know that God can use everything for his glory and our good. But that doesn't mean that that's what he wanted to happen. My parents got divorced when I was 12 years old. That wasn't God's plan. He didn't want that to happen, but he used it in a powerful way and continues to to this day. So make sure your, your theology is solid and, com- and, and real and right, which actually leads perfectly into T. Give me a T. T is for teaching. Teaching. The church, E. I said we were talking about fact time. It's the heat. I'm sorry, y'all. <clears throat> well, y'all were very encouraging. Give me an E. E, e is for encouragement. Yeah, thanks for holding me accountable. (laughs) Man, uh, that just irritates the fire out of me. (laughs) E is for encouragement, and we need encouragement because we mess up. (laughs) We make mistakes. Now, I'm not a big fan of the word encouragement because I I think it's kind of soft. She's going to give you some encouragement. Here's a Hallmark card to encourage you. You're the wind beneath my wings. You you go. 
But I'll tell you what word I do like. I love the word courage. I love it because I'm going to tell you something. There will come a point in your life where you feel like quitting. It might be in your marriage. It might be on your church. It might be your job, your career. There will come a point where you will feel like quitting and you will need the courage of God just to stay in the game. And so it's the tribe that comes alongside you, that comes alongside me. It says, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to I'm encourage you. I, I'm going to instill, I'm going to put some courage in you. I like that kind of encouragement. And that is what God calls the tribe to do. To come alongside and say, no, 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 you, you've come too far to quit right now. In the name of Jesus, by the power of God Almighty, you got this. Come on, let's do it together. Like, whoa, maybe I do. I'm, I'm, come on. And you stay in the game. Kind of like I did in the sermon when I messed up on the E. 2 Corinthians 13, at the very end of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Which tells me that's a choice. Grow to maturity. Means that's a responsibility. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. You encourage somebody, watch God encourage you. You encourage other people. Be an encourager. Think about what you post online. Are you an encourager or are you a troll? Guess which one God wants you to be? I can't believe the government, nah, 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 nah. Man, it was so hot in church. I can't believe, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Pastor forgot one of his points. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Not that any of you would do that, but you may know people. Man, we, the, the world's hard enough. Let me ask you a question. If you feel like it, you can raise your hand, and if you don't, you don't have to. But how many of you this week had a hard week? Let me, I'm just curious. If you had a hard week, just raise your hand. First of all, thanks for your courage. I, I appreciate you being honest. When we gather together, we're reminded visually we're not alone. I, I, in this FaceTime moment on the weekend, I'm reminded there are a lot of people that, that I'm in this with, that, that, are part of, that I'm a part of that tribe with them. And that, that, man, that's, that's encouraging to me. I just said to Deanne Wilson down here on the front row, when we were singing and worshiping together a minute ago, I, I could hear y'all singing. It wasn't the band, it wasn't the music, it wasn't the speakers. It was y'all. When I hear our worship ringing off the rafters, I get fired up. That's exciting to me. And, and I'm reminded, oh yeah, this really does matter. So that, that encouragement matters. $100 to whoever can guess what letter is next. I'm just kidding. Give me a T. T. T is for teaching. Teaching. The tribe of faith is responsible to teach the Word of God accurately in accordance with sound doctrine. Paul's letters to Timothy 
were essentially instruction manuals for the young pastor, Timothy. And in one of his letters, he says to Timothy to be careful about what you teach your people. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. You and I live in an exciting time. There is so much great teaching and preaching available to us through podcasts, online. There's some incredible, incredible stuff out there. And there is a lot of junk that's available. We have to be biblically and spiritually discerning. You've got to be able to listen to somebody, and if they, if they start teaching you something that's contrary to Scripture, or maybe that twists Scripture just a little bit, maybe it becomes a little more humanistic, a little more me-istic, you've got to be able to go, hey, that's wackadoodle-doo. That's not good, sound teaching. But in order for that to happen, you have to know, I have to know what the Bible says. So we pray for wisdom and discernment, but we also do the work of learning the Bible. Real quick, I want you to, to take a look at something that's on your program, a program that you've been feverishly taking notes on. I want you to close it up and look on the back side of that program. On the back here is the reality that September the 18th, we launch a new semester of teaching in addition to Sunday morning, but teaching that goes a step further. It's a little more interactive. It's a little more relational. Now, our life groups are going to do a fascinating study called How the Bible Fits Together. What an incredible opportunity to kind of get a high-altitude view of what God says in the story of the Bible from beginning to end. Pastor Terry Cadwell has been working on this curriculum for months. It's going to be awesome. If you've never been to a life group, this will be a great time to get started because there are going to be a number of people and it's set up to be an open door for folks who have never walked in before. Maybe you want to be in a Bible study where, where you're studying the book of Matthew. Whatever your need may be, male, female, life group, Bible study, September the 18th is where it all starts this fall. It's a new season for new teaching. You can just take, just down here at the bottom, yes, I'm interested, Bible study, life groups, our next steps class, which is also on Sunday the 18th, and then just make sure that you fill out the connect card so that we can connect with you this week and get you where you want to be. This is how we, this is how we help along the way. So that's an opportunity as well. But teaching really, really matters. The church has to offer it, but you have to take it. I, give me an I. I is for investment. Investment. This is a spiritual endeavor with a financial need and a financial opportunity. Once you accepted Christ, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that someone somewhere invested in you. Somebody invested in you, whether it was in a service like this one or another service somewhere back down the road. Someone invested in in your hearing the gospel for the first time and growing the community of Christ one life at a time is absolutely, make no mistake about it, a resource-intensive endeavor. Now again, if you're new, if you're just checking things out, it's not about you giving, but for those of us who are the tribe, this is what the Bible says to us. Philemon chapter 6. Philemon only has one chapter, so it's all verses. Philemon 6. 
I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. There's an investment that happens. That's when we tithe as a tribe, as a church family. We bring to God an expression of worship, and then he supernaturally converts our worship into his work, and he fuels and resources the ministries of the church. That's how that happens. M, give me an M. M M is for mentoring, mentoring. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. Now, discipling is a great, great term. It's a mandate of the church. But as you read the New Testament, as you study the original languages, discipling is just mentoring. It's bringing people along with you for the ride that God's already called you to. It's showing them, here's what the faith looks like. Here's how you do this, for example, as a husband. Here's how you do this as a Christian in the marketplace. Here's how you do this as a a Christian student. We're going to mentor you. We're going to bring you along. This is what Paul said. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. I I think about about, um, Fearless Mom. Fearless Mom that minister in our church patterned after Titus chapter 2 where it says, let the older women, and by older we mean more seasoned, let the older women teach the younger women how to live out their faith. That, that's, that's what happens. So if you're a, a young mom and, and you're making it up as you go along and maybe you're, maybe you're exhausted, maybe you're stressed out, maybe you're tired, maybe you're excited, Fearless Mom is a place for you to find a mentor mom to come alongside you and say, hey, you got this. Let, let, me, let me show you. I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with. That's just one example of where the church mentors. And then one more letter, I believe. E. Give me an E. E, e is the experience. The experience of the tribe. To experience this gathering. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, I will be there in their midst. But when we gather together in the name of Jesus to worship him, to learn from him, there is an experience in that that nothing else offers. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The Bible says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So on the weekend, Sunday for us, we we gather. It's a priority. And and it's such a priority that we walk in the doors here like like some people walk in the doors of a football stadium. We we walk in expecting. We're not missing kickoff. We want to be there for the whole thing, baby. We want to see what God's doing from the Beginning downbeat to the final amen. We're, we're going to make sure our kids are on time and they're settled in their area of ministry so that they can get everything God has for them in that hour. And then we're going to be in the, in the worship center on time and, and ready to go so that we experience everything God has for us and so that we're not a distraction to other people who, who did get there on time. And we, we make that a priority. 
You know how we can tell? We don't, we don't ever ask visitors to stand up or raise their hand. We already know. They're either wearing a tie or they're on time. That's how we know a, a visitor at Lake Hills Church. But the experience, and th- this is not us just going to church. This, this is yet another experience of us being the church, of, of being that tribe that experiences and expresses the power of God he's called us to. And throughout this series, we're looking at what the Scripture says. We're, we're praying about our own concept and commitment to the tribe. And we're sharing with you some stories and, and some, some examples from, from people just like you who, who maybe were, were sitting you know, in the cheap, she, cheap seats or kind of sneaking in and, and hoping nobody called on them or anything like that, which we don't do anyway. But I want to share with you the story of Barry and Christy Johnson, who've been members of our church for a number of years, but are living out the power of FaceTime as a part of the tribe. Check this out. My name is Barry Johnson. I'm married to Christy. I have two kids, a four-year-old named Charlie, a two-year-old named Sam, and we've been attending Lake Hills Church for six years. Christy and I were living in Waco at the time, and we got married in Horseshoe Bay area. We were visiting Spicewood, Lakeway, Hill Country area almost every weekend, it seemed. Every free weekend we got, we wanted to come down because we love this area, we love this community, and because we were doing that, naturally, we were missing church back home. And so we were talking, we said, hey, we need to find a church to go to down here. And it was about that time a family friend said, hey, you need to go check out Lake Hills Church. From the moment that we pulled into the parking lot to the moment we were walking up, met by greeters with a smile. It was just an incredible uh, day of worship. And Chrissy and I left, and we had lunch, and we talked through it. And we're like, wow. It really felt like home away from home. We said, you know what? We'd love to be a part of that church family. Um, and so we started praying through it. And a few weeks later, God said, you know what? I want you down there. And so stepping out of everything we ever knew and coming into a place where we knew no one was a really, really big deal for us. Christy said, hey, I'm going to jump into this Bible study. And I said, okay. And she said, why don't you jump into the men's? She said, what's really cool about it is that they study the same thing we study week in and week out. So if you do this men's Bible study and I do this women's Bible study, we can even do the study together and talk about it together. I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. And the other reason I wanted to join was because I didn't know anyone. And so it provided me an opportunity to meet a group of guys in the community, in the church, and to start building relationships there. It was really cool as you could just pick up where you are, you know? And that's what they, that's the atmosphere they wanted to provide was, hey, we don't care where you are or what stage of life you're in or what how versed you are on the Bible. We can meet you where you're at. And it's really really been an amazing experience and I've seen a lot of life change through that and I think that's really what the Bible study and men's group really incorporates is a group of men committed to studying God's word God's truth not someone's opinion of the word but God's word and rallying around each other and providing friendship um, providing support providing prayer for each other And just knowing, you know, hey, we got your back. No matter what you're walking through in life, we're here for you. God's here for you, and uh, we want the best for you. 
So they asked us to, to volunteer on Sunday mornings, and Christy and I said, well, we would love to. So we jumped in. I started ushering. She was lobby host. And one of the first things we realized was, hey, this doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. There's a whole bunch of volunteers here making this happen. And that was a big moment for us was, hey, we might be attending this church, but this is an opportunity to be the church. And we've seen a lot of life change just through serving on Sunday mornings. Um, one of the coolest experiences was the first time I ushered, um, my usher captain said, hey, uh, you know, we're going to have an invitation. He's going to have a call and ask people to raise their hands. We want to get a count how many people are committing their life to Christ this morning. So I said, okay, we can do that. So we had the invitation and, you know, the hands started raising one, two, three, four, five. And I said, wow, you know, life change is happening right here, right now, and I'm a part of it. From our spiritual growth to leadership opportunities to service to raising our kids that are all in, they talk about it all the time, and their heroes are at this church. It's an atmosphere that speaks truth into these kids and provides them good biblical knowledge that they're able, that Charlie's already able to articulate and tell us about. It came to a realization that we are not just attending Lake Hills Church, but we are Lake Hills Church. I want to ask you if you would bow your heads for just a moment. And again, I, I thank you so, so much for hanging in there with us today. But I want you to know there's a place for you here. We are a place for you, a tribe to belong to, a family. And if there's anything we can do to help you in that endeavor, to help you along that spiritual journey, it's what we want to do. As I mentioned earlier, that connect card is there for you to let us know how we can help. Maybe you want to talk to someone about what it means to actually be a Christian, a Christ follower. Maybe there's a prayer request that is heavy on your heart or maybe a celebration you have that you want to let us know about. That connect card is for you. Just fill it out. Let us know how we can serve and how we can help you as your family of faith, as your tribe. And before you leave, just hand it to one of our ushers or to someone who's maybe standing underneath that little blue canopy out on the front porch, the big exit as you go out. But we're going to conclude today a little bit differently than we normally do. And I want to ask you in this, in this spirit of prayer, if you would just, just stand to your feet right now, if you would just, just stand up and let's pray together. Let's pray together that God would use us this week and use this week in us as his tribe. Father, we love you. And again, thank you so much for your presence in this place today, for the, the gift that is your tribe, the church. Father, may we be the church you've called us to be. May we do what you've called us to do and be faithful and consistent for your glory and the good of each other. And God, the good of our world, our city, neighborhoods, schools, as we go out from this place into this week. God, we offer ourselves to you and to each other 
in a new and a fresh way in this moment with everything that we've got. God, we pray this prayer in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a great week and thanks for being here.